I don't know how to start. There's just like so much that I want to cover, but um, as um, we already talked about, hi, Monty, he's just saying hi. <laughs> Oh, that's a cute to hear. He's outside now. <laughs> <laughs> well, we have two guests now. Um, but yeah, our main guest today on the Positive Switch podcast, uh, I guess many people will recognize you, um, Tash Peterson. You're a really famous activist worldwide. I mean, you uh, have been shown in so many uh, on so many platforms uh, in the media. You have been covered uh, worldwide, and basically, you're making animals' voices heard, uh, and also your voice heard for all women on this planet. Uh, so today, we really want to focus on misogyny worldwide, sexism. Uh, all the criticism that you have uh, gotten for your activism as well. Um, so, yeah. And of course, because we want to match with the topic, uh, we're not scared of uh, showing some skin today, right? Exactly. Mm -hmm. There's nothing wrong with showing some skin. And it's sad that in 2022, people still have an issue with it. Definitely. It's, it's crazy. crazy. And I mean... Right now, I feel like there are just so many issues that are raising to the surface and this as well. And also um, how feminism is quite selective about how we should talk for about women's rights. Um, so we're going to cover this as well. Um, but I was really curious basically to hear uh, from your side how everything started with you, uh, with the lingerie uh, protests. Was it an idea that came from Stefania, which I kind of think that was the case or how did everything start basically? Yeah, so it, yeah, it did start when I had the opportunity to fly over to Melbourne and stay with Stefania. And she was just really keen to do some activism with me. Um, obviously, she has a very big platform and she was using that platform already to speak about animal rights. But she just needed that little kind of confidence boost to get some experience doing activism. So um, yeah, she was just really keen to get out there and do lots of different things with me. And then, um, yeah, she came up with the idea to just go out in the streets wearing lingerie. And initially it was just an idea of a photo shoot, um, you know, obviously being a lingerie model and also more than just a model. Um, I mean, she started the whole movement for all types of body shapes being models. Um, and that sort of started through one photo of herself. Um, and I believe it said, I am a model on her body. So she already had this idea of the power of just one image going around. So it was sort of what we wanted to do initially is just go out doing something different, holding a sign and get some awesome photos. And that itself kind of um, revolved into a protest, really. I mean, we just were astounded by how many people were engaging with us and how many conversations were starting about animal rights um, we literally just had hundreds of people surrounding us, just taking images, wanting to have photos with us and just really open to having a dialogue about veganism and animal rights. So that's how it really started from there. And then obviously the after impact as well, having posting those images online mm -hmm. and that 
pretty much going viral. I mean, obviously, again, on her big platform, she said these were some of the best performing posts she'd ever had, all the lingerie photos. And people were reading that message. So it was a very effective form of protest and something that I'm not really used to doing being a disruptive activist. I'm used to uh, a lot of resistance when I'm out protesting and people, you know, threatening and abusing me. Whereas this was a lot more mellow and people were happy and wanting to have conversations. So it was a really kind of refreshing experience um, with activism for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so like you said, you you weren't really used to that kind of um, reaction basically from, from the public, uh, but also what was quite new for you, I, I guess, uh, like you mentioned in many podcasts as well, uh, for the first time you were wearing lingerie and and dressing maybe a, a bit more sexier and like going out of your comfort zone uh, whereas um, like you explained many times you grew up actually more like a, a tomboy you were dressing um, with loose t-shirts and baggies and stuff so um, and you said as um, in your own words um, you had yourself maybe some uh, ingrained misogyny as well because you thought as well yeah. that you uh, might um, portray yourself like you might be seen as weaker if you were dressed in a feminine way um, so how did you overcome that kind of mindset and and what um, actually maybe make you believe that uh, it would be actually the contrary, that you could really uh, become more empowered and empower people as well uh, by starting uh, lingerie protests? Yeah, well, honestly, take back like less than a year ago, I'd never worn lingerie in my life. It was just something I'd never been interested in, especially as you said, growing up being a tomboy wearing more male clothing than I did female clothing. Um, and I guess that transition sort of happened to where, when I was, was wearing more feminine clothing, maybe kind of in my mid twenties. Mm -hmm. So probably like four or five years ago, I started wearing more feminine clothing, but I mean, lingerie just wasn't an interest to me. I just never felt the need to wear it. Um, but I guess when I started my OnlyFans account just less than a year ago now, um, I thought, oh, well, you know, why not get it? Why not? I mean, I'm, I'm like a model now. I need to wear something sexy to make some money here. Um, and then that whole transition, I just didn't realize how empowering it felt. I guess, as you said, like this ingrained misogyny, I felt like I couldn't wear feminine clothing because I didn't want to appear weak and you know, just all this to do, taboo about wearing lingerie and being topless and all of these issues have really arised to me and made me aware, mainly because of my activism and starting my OnlyFans account to support me as an animal rights activist. And um, I guess definitely going out in public wearing lingerie was a very empowering experience. I'd never considered doing that ever in my life. Um, I've also done a couple of topless protests as well to raise awareness about animal rights. And I just didn't realize, I mean, I know it's different where you are, but Australia is really, really behind to the point where I'm going to court because I was topless with body paint on my body. Like you couldn't even see my naked body, but I'm being sent to court 
just because I was born a female and decided to be topless to raise awareness about the oppression of females of other species. And that's just made me even more passionate to get out there and fight for women's rights as well. And at the same time, I can raise awareness about the oppression of other species too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so because you, you've touched on that topic now, um, you know, for us, it's quite obvious uh, why the lingerie protest might be linked with animal rights, like uh, how we can see a, a parallel uh, between the discrimination of women and of, of our bodies and the discrimination of animals. But maybe could you make that clear to some people who might basically just stop at the sight of us wearing lingerie and thinking that we are sexualizing ourselves and they're not understanding really um, the link between these two causes. Yeah, of course. Well, firstly, there's nothing inherently sexual about the naked body or wearing lingerie. It just has that connotation to it because society has sexualized women so much that people immediately see it as sexual and inappropriate to be wearing revealing clothing like lingerie or even being topless. Um, and I think we're really just using our freedom that we have over our bodies to raise awareness for others who have no freedom and no bodily autonomy. And it's, of course, as with most activism and the, you know, the idea of protesting is to gain attention. And of course it's going to gain attention. You know, you don't see people out in lingerie or topless women every day, well, especially here in Australia, and um, it's going to gain attention. And again, we're just using our body to raise awareness for others. We're not out there sexualizing ourselves. There's absolutely nothing wrong with sexualizing oneself, and that's up to that individual if they want to sexualize themselves. And sure, they can show that vegan veganism is sexy. There's nothing wrong with that. But in the, in the form of talking about our lingerie protests and the topless protests that I've done, I never once felt like I was sexualizing myself. I just felt empowered and confident in my body and I'm there to spread a message. I'm not there to sexualize myself at all. So it's just insane that people still have this idea that, oh, because a woman chooses to wear that thing, she's automatically sexualizing herself or because she decides she's not wearing a top, she's automatically sexualizing herself. I mean... If we think about a topless man, no one blinks an eye, no one accuses him of being, you know, sexual or sexualizing himself or objectifying himself. And even if we were talking about like men in lingerie, I don't think society would have an issue either. In fact, I think a lot of people now that we're more open to gay and transgender people, a lot of people say, good on him, that's so empowering. Like, go him, that's awesome. Yeah. But as soon as a woman does it, It's just that ingrained misogyny and that traditional idea that it's a bad thing to be doing that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. I feel like um, because already if, for I don't know how many years or, or centuries, um, people have been so conformed, so conditioned to seeing women bodies being exploited or used um, 
for the most part with their consent uh, in marketing and to sell things and um, to gain more uh, visibility um, to make the body of women attractive in order to sell things uh, but what they fail to realize is that we are not here to sell anything we are not here to sell our bodies or um, we don't want to gain really anything from people so we are actually we're not really sacrificing ourselves, but we are kind of going out of our comfort zone and doing something that might be uncomfortable in the first place for um, just to speak for the animals who cannot speak up for themselves. Um, but um, re regarding the, the lingerie protest, I'm sure that there might have been a criticism or, or activists trying maybe to to stop you from doing that kind of protest? Like, have you come across uh, such people who tried yeah, to, to stop you from doing this, um, who didn't think that was yeah. a, a good idea at all? Yeah, I have even people who had been supporters of my activism on board with everything I was doing for animal rights. I had a lot of those people actually saying that they didn't like my lingerie protest. And I think the main thing was those people had an issue with the signs that Stefania and I were holding. We had signs like eat pussy, not animals, plant powered mm -hmm. penises last longer, but we had in collaboration with that serious animal rights messages. And I think those signs you know, people laugh and smile at those signs and then it draws them in to read the more serious signs and it draws them into actually having proper conversations about animal rights. As an activist who wants to always focus on the abolition of the animal holocaust, I think this was a brilliant idea using those other signs that may not be directly about animal rights, just about vegans in general, definitely still drew attention to the serious message that we were there for. Um, but yeah, of course, you're going to have like all the usual haters and there were so many people on there all with the same narrative. Oh my gosh, you're sexualizing and objectifying yourselves. You're sexualizing animal rights. That is disgusting. That is horrible. And I just, yeah, I just couldn't believe that I was seeing those comments in this day and age. And it just made me passionate to do it even more. Mm -hmm. Or people actually like uh, saying things like they're going to support other activists now because you're doing this and, and they're like, I'm not here for OnlyFans, I'm here for the animals, I'm going to Joy Armstrong now, like where you've always been about the animals and... Uh, people have to understand that if animal rights activists decide to have an OnlyFans that has nothing to do with the animal rights, of course, we can also use that platform to try and uh, raise awareness about the animal rights topic. But people have to kind of like uh, separate the two topics and um, realize that we also have to somehow, um, you know, make ends meet at the end of the month and pay our invoices and everything um so of course we have to have some money to support our activism as well and if i'm not mistaken right now you are able to do what you do and also you know with all the legal fees that you have to pay for you're able to do all of that uh mainly thanks to your own events right yeah, exactly. And that's something I'm so overhearing is people telling me that I'm only doing my activism to draw attention to my OnlyFans account. It's just crazy. I mean, 
I've been an animal rights activist basically since the moment I became vegan over five years ago. I've had an OnlyFans account for 11 months. I've sacrificed so much to the point where I lost one of my jobs because of my image as an animal rights activist. I had parents complaining about me. I was a swimming instructor. And then I had meetings with um, the higher bodies that were telling me that I was going to lose my job if I continued my activism. I continued doing that. And I didn't have OnlyFans at that point in time. And I knew that I was close to losing my jobs. And I knew that I was going to make it somehow work out, um, not really even considering OnlyFans at that point in time. And I just, oh, it's just so aggravating when people just still bring that up. Like, oh, you're just doing it to get more OnlyFans people. I got OnlyFans not like with the fear of, you know, showing my body in any form or way. Um, just to hope that I could raise some money for myself to become a full-time animal rights activist. And not only have I gained so much body confidence and happiness in my body because I, you know, went out of my comfort zone doing those things on OnlyFans, um, but obviously the most important thing is it's allowing me to be an animal rights activist full-time. And, yeah, it is definitely helping out with the endless legal fees that I'm currently facing. Uh, yes, that's, it sounds kind of crazy, uh, you know, just um, to hear that you would be kind of threatened and uh, uh, from people telling you basically you have to choose, uh, putting this uh, ultimatum basically telling you you have to choose between your job or speaking up for the most vulnerable victims, the most oppressed victims of all times in history, uh, and that you cannot combine the two. Um, but I feel like the, this pressure and that you might have felt pressured from them, of course, I mean, you have worked there for over 10 years and it's, you had, um, you know, some emotional bond to it as well, I can imagine. Um, and I feel like it's also uh, something that pops up um, in the feminism movement as well, um, or in general, uh, in you know, between women, it, it's like we're pressured to um, either be on one side or on another. Uh, we either have to think that uh, women are basically sluts if they decide to wear lingerie or if they decide to wear makeup, uh, to shave. And, you know, there's the other side uh, or you have to be for that one extreme uh, and not shave at all, not wear makeup, not dress in any sexy way or anything and and so we're kind of pressured to like fight for sides or something um and i think that it's so basically uh, disempowering for women uh, to find to fight against each other and, and to cancel each other when we could actually all stand up for our rights to to just do whatever feels comfortable for us however we might want to use our body however we want to dress shave or not shave um this is much more empowering than actually uh, canceling each other like um, uh, banana, uh, um, how, what's her name again? Uh, Freely the banana girl uh, kind of, you know, called you out uh, for wearing makeup and dressing, dressing with lingerie where actually she's about feminism as well. So it, it didn't make any sense. Exactly. It's just contradicting oneself if they have that point of view like all for female empowerment and I'm so on board with Freely's message I think it's so great that she is pushing that message out there that 
women shouldn't feel the need to shave, etc. But if they still want to continue doing that, then shaming them is completely going against that message of, you know, female empowerment. So you're exactly right there. Um, and that's probably why it inspired me to make that huge video that I made mm -hmm. about my journey as growing up as a tomboy who didn't want to wear any female clothing. I wanted to hide my body in big baggy t-shirts. And there were so many moments in time where that, where I did want to wear more feminine clothing. And I just thought, no, I can't do that. I just, I just want to look tough. I don't want to be you know, viewed as a sex object. So I can't do that. And I'm just saddened that I had to even think in that way. Mm -hmm. It's just really sad. Like I should have been able to wear a baggy t-shirt if I wanted to. And then sometimes I wanted to wear a tight dress and heels. Like why, why was that such an issue for me? And it's just because of this general stereotype for women and their bodies and what they choose to wear. Mm -hmm. And um, like through all those um, protests, uh, either through the lingerie protests or um, where you were topless uh, for other protests, have you come across um, many uh, sexist police officers or was it only like a few times? Because I feel like for the first lingerie protest that you did with uh, Stefania, there was actually a police car like behind you I think uh like where you were actually like completely topless like you just took your bra off and that didn't seem to be a problem and then you come out of court and then there's this police officer who's like giving you a ticket or how many times has that happened is it like really um always uh, like many times uh through your protests or is it quite rare Yeah, well, when I was with Stefania, that was over in Melbourne. So that's not actually where I live. And it's just crazy how two cities in the same country are so contrast. So whenever I did my protests in Melbourne, whether that was disrupting KFC and pouring fake blood all over the floor or going out, as you said, being topless, the police didn't really have an issue with it. They were always very nice and... Um, You know, it's perfectly legal for a woman woman to be topless in Melbourne. But the moment I do it here in my own home city, every protest, whether I'm in lingerie or topless or just disrupting doing my usual activism, there's just always a massive issue that the police have. And that's exactly why I'm going to court. If I had have done that topless protest in Melbourne, I don't think there's any chance I'd be going to court. And that's just how backwards it happens to be here in Western Australia. And it's something that I face every time I protest because here in my home is where I do most of my protesting. It's just insane how backwards the whole legal system is here. Yeah, definitely. But do you still have um, like projects in the near future um, of topless actions or uh, even... Uh, future lingerie protests with Stefania, for example, again, or with other activists? Is that um, actually in plan or? Yes, it definitely is. There's no stopping with the lingerie or topless protests. I actually have, I can't disclose any information yet, but I'm in the process of organizing my next um, big disruptive protest and I will be topless with body paint. So it's sort of similar to the dairy protest that I did. So I'll be doing that one soon. 
Um, I really hope to be able to travel over to Melbourne and see Stefania again and all the other states in Australia because um, there's so many more better opportunities for my activism over there. But unfortunately, with the whole vaccine mandates, because my choice is to not get vaccinated, I, I won't be, I can go to some states in Australia unvaccinated, but I won't be able to come back home. And it, oh, that's just insane to me. I just want to be able to go out and do my activism. And I literally can't leave my own state right now. Otherwise, there's no chance of me returning home. Oh, that's, that's, yeah, that's quite crazy. I mean, um, I, I think like over the last um, two years, I guess, um, this is a, a, yeah, like a, a recurring topic I guess is the word uh, something that always comes mm -hmm. up um, if you decide to actually be more critical to uh, question the status quo um, you know it, it might be in the form of uh, questioning the vaccine or uh, going on the streets wearing lingerie and, and doing something that's completely um, the extreme opposite uh, of what is standard, what is mainstream. Um, as soon as you start to do that, uh, you're automatically dismissed, you're automatically canceled for whatever your message is. And um, it's it's crazy to, to see that happening over and over again um, and to see how, how long it takes for people to realize that um, we all have we all share the same goals we all want justice for non-human animals and human animals um but we're completely canceling each other out we're fighting against each other um suppressing our voices or fearing to actually speak up or to s show that we think critically and that we question the, the status quo um so what keeps you motivated and how do you sometimes maybe um, cope with uh, being impacted mentally uh, through the different protests, through, through the criticism, through the hate, through getting your accounts on different platforms banned or deleted? Like, how do you, yeah, keep on? How, how do you keep up with that? Yeah, I just try and look at everything in a positive light. So, for example, you know, obviously I do get a lot of criticism and there's always a huge amount of hate whenever I post on my social media accounts, particularly on my Facebook page. It's just, it can be so disheartening reading those comments sometimes. And it's just about not letting myself get in that negative mind frame when I read those nasty comments because... At the end of the day, I need to remind myself why I'm here doing this. I mean, obviously, to bring light to the animal holocaust, and it's something that no one can ever stop me from speaking up about. And I just look at those hateful comments and think, well, I don't think any activist in history, any successful activist in history has only received positive, you know, uh, reactions from the public. In fact, some of the most important social justice makers in history were highly criticized and despised by a majority of people um so it just i just show it make sorry i'll just say that again it just goes to show that what i'm doing is definitely working the more hate i get the more successful i view myself as an activist um and i mean yeah just losing my accounts and stuff initially it was so disheartening um 
especially when I lost my TikTok account just over a year ago now, I think I've reached about 180,000 people on there. And I had 15 million views on one of my videos and so many more millions of views on all my other videos. It was definitely a very good platform to get a massive reach. So I was pretty upset to lose that. And then losing my Instagram account, um, I think it was in August last year, was I think actually more disheartening. I didn't have anywhere near as many followers, but I'd had my Instagram account for the entirety of my transition from non-vegan to vegan. And it was, I posted every protest on there. So it wasn't just like, oh, I've lost my social media account. That's a shame. It was, that is a documentation of my journey as a vegan and animal rights activist. And that was such a good resource for whoever wanted to do interviews with me or media reports. There was just so much there for people to see and learn about animal rights. That was particularly so disheartening for me. But um, yeah, I just sort of soldiered on. And I mean, fortunately enough, I was just able to grow back my new Instagram account pretty quickly and get that reach again. And then it just made me realize that I shouldn't cling on to my social media accounts so much. Of course, they are such an important part of spreading the animal rights message. So that's something that I'll always you know, hold as an important part of my activism. But I can't cling on to that because I know that I'll still have that impact even if I have no accounts at all. I can still get out there. I can still get media attention and spread that message. So it was sort of like a blessing in disguise losing my accounts because I noticed myself getting really like a bit too obsessed with my accounts, like, oh, how many views has this got? How many people have I reached? How many followers? I sort of got trapped in that really obsessive mindset that social media is obviously for. And now I've let go of that and I don't really, you know, worry about my views or my followers at all. I'm just there to do my thing really. So it's been an interesting but good journey and I think just, yeah, always having that positive mindset. Everything happens for a reason. I know that I'm doing everything I can to raise awareness for the animals. And that's what kind of keeps me going, really, is just, you know, they, they literally are relying on us to speak up for them. You know, we need to just keep going. And massive change is happening. So always looking on the positive side, people really are waking up in the hundreds of thousands every day so it's awesome to see yeah definitely i think um i whenever i um i'm kind of a bit desperate and um like i guess recently i i kind of had that realization as well um through a little breakdown like realizing uh, we hold on so dearly like onto those numbers and those likes and comments and like getting the feedback from the people like um, giving us the confirmation that what we are doing is working that uh, it's effective but if we only rely on that um, you know it's so easy to actually um, you know get get depressed and uh if if what we are seeing in front of us is not matching our expectations um so i think as yeah animal rights activists like you said it's really important to um maybe also have some practices in our daily life that um keep us down to earth and that remind us always that um we have to take care of our mental health if we want to be effective as much as we can on the long term. Um, 
because otherwise yeah it, it can consume you uh, I always try to remember that I'm here to produce something to give something create awareness uh, but I'm not on social media to consume or uh, I shouldn't expect a certain number or anything uh, but what always keeps me going is um, basically yeah that's one sentence I think uh, uh, I don't know in which uh, podcast you said it but like you measure your amount of success to the number of hate comments and basically yeah hate and negativity from people coming towards you uh, which is actually the you know if we look at this quote from Gandhi I think um, like first they laugh at you and then they fight fight you and then you win and it's exactly what's happening so that's let's just you know take a look at all the different justice movements that took place in history and how they reach justice how they obtain justice and that's definitely by getting louder by doing some radical things meaning basically taking things up to the root uh believing in what we're doing um and not giving up and getting always louder and i think that sometimes um even without words we can be really loud just like when you do protests uh in lingerie and and we when you basically do something that goes against the normal standards uh that actually it destroys all the stigmas it um it's an icebreaker it makes the conversation uh so much easier and lighter um yeah so maybe do you have like um some words to empower people to actually try out that form of activism because i know there are so many people that are kind of reluctant um, when they see that kind of activism form um they might have some prejudice against it um how could you encourage someone to try out this form of, of activism yeah, well, I think it's just so important to step out of your comfort zone and get out there and do something different and don't kind of have these pre-existing judgments of what it's going to be like and, you know, maybe you're already judging it based on the fact of someone wearing lingerie doing that. Um, so just going in open-minded and just getting out of your comfort zone to do it, I think is the most rewarding thing you'll ever do for yourself and you'll feel so good that you're out there, you know, raising awareness for the most oppressed beings on this planet. I remember not even that long ago when I went to my first Anonymous for the Voiceless um, outreach event, that was my first event, like doing proper activism ever. And that was only about four years ago. And I was so nervous to do that. I think I'd been considering it for maybe a month or two before I actually got the confidence to go and just stand in the cube and hold this, the screen and show people the truth. Um, and it's just crazy to see how far I've come within a few years to going out, you know, doing solo disruptive protests and really getting that message out there. And it's all because I went out of my comfort zone and I tried something out for the first time immediately you know, became very passionate about it and then started trying out so many different forms of activism. I mean, the first time I actually did disrupt, like a first disruptive protest was probably a few years ago. So I'd been an activist for about a year 
And I already had these prejudgments about disruptive activism because I'd seen um, a protest that happened not that long ago before I got involved and they got media attention, which was awesome and so much negative backlash. But as an outsider, I just saw that as a bad thing. And that's why I had these prejudgments and thought, oh, well, disruptive activism isn't a good thing. Like, look how, you know, everyone's reacting. It's bad because it's negative without realizing that's actually the power of it is getting media attention, getting those negative reactions because it's creating a massive dialogue. So don't be afraid to get out there and wear some lingerie or go topless or do whatever you can to raise awareness for animal rights because, honestly, the more controversial and the more backlash you get, the more powerful your protest is going to be because it's really getting people talking about animal rights and seeing the truth themselves. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and definitely, I think um, also for us as activists, um, there was one person that... Um, Uh, sent you a message when you were creating that conversation around the comment of uh, Freely the Banana Girl uh, and one person that said something like the most empowering thing is to say just like fuck you society and just do whatever uh, you feel comfortable with and, and not giving a shit about anything that um, is not uh, you know matching with society standards that is not matching uh, your friends or family's expectation it's about just doing it for yourself and um seeing like realizing through that experience in the moment uh, that you've already grown so much um so i can also um you know relate like losing your instagram and and all that journey of yours losing uh, that documentation that must have um impacted you um But I'm so happy that now, I mean, you're growing fast on TikTok as well, uh, maybe like a week ago or something. Um, and, and then I, I looked at the videos like this week and it was already like, yeah, 50,000 of views like on each video or something. So it's growing really fast. Um, and it's definitely one powerful platform. Um, but yeah, I think that we should also not give it too much importance or, or not really uh, specifically targeting a, a special specific platform or um, expecting from one platform uh, to actually create more attention than another, um, but just doing really what feels good, what is uh, what matches our values uh, and always focusing on the goal of uh, animal liberation. So yeah, exactly. I think that couldn't agree with you more. <laughs> Thank you. Well, I think that wraps up everything pretty well. And um, I don't want to keep you uh, too long and because you're a busy activist and I want you to enjoy, uh, you know, your free time as well, because you definitely deserve it. Um, but I really wanted to uh, let you know. And I think when I say that I speak up for so many activists that um, You are such a powerful example for all of us and um, iconic as well. Uh, you know, you are one of the few activists that uh, got out so far away from your comfort zone uh, to actually do the right thing. And this is empowering so many people around the planet myself first because I would have never imagined as well like going by myself in a cow costume in a supermarket uh, to 
you know, raise my voice and um, it might be uncomfortable, but uh, it's just so powerful uh, for the attention that we get from it for the animals and for ourselves. So uh, yeah, I've de definitely grown so much uh, just by watching you um, being you and doing you and not uh, giving up your values. So that's definitely really inspiring for all of us. Thank you so much. I appreciate chatting with you. Thank you so much. And I guess every no, everyone already knows where to find you, but I will still link uh, all your socials in the description box. And thank you so much for giving me some of your time. And for all the activists out there and all the people who are not vegan yet, live vegan, fight for the animals, speak up for the animals. And thank you for being today with us, Tash. Thank you. Thanks. <laughs>